Hey, it's your host, Mark Santiago. I'm excited to introduce you to the next level of this podcast, Empowered AF 2.0. 2.0. In this next stage of Empowered AF, we're going to dive deeper into what it means to be an empowered man in his most advanced form. I'm talking healthy communication, healthy lifestyle, both physically and emotionally, and evolving into the man you've always wanted to be. So stick around and join me in this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. Hey, so if you're in marriage counseling, you're trying everything to win your marriage back, you're just trying to figure stuff out and nothing seems to be working, you're doing probably the wrong thing. So that's why I created my five-day challenge for men just like you who are on the cusp of separation or divorce. You're trying to figure stuff out. You don't know what to do. So look, in this five-day challenge, I'm going to help you gain clarity on what you need to be doing. I'm going to help you understand the pain that you're in and what you need to be doing about it, how to fix that. All of this in five days for just five bucks. That's right. Five-day challenge, five bucks. That's it. Get in. Do it now. Don't wait any longer. Get in right now. Do the work. It's easy. Every day you're going to get assignments. Every day you're going to get an action step to take so that you're moving forward and you're going to stop the paralysis that you're in right now where you don't know what to do. You're stuck. All that other stuff. It comes to an end today. Jump in right now. Five bucks. That's all it costs. Jump in today. Let's see on the other side. What's up, guys? By the time you watch this, uh, this may be old news. Um, probably won't be in the news anymore, but I wanted to share my thoughts on the Will Smith, Chris Rock incident. If you weren't watching the Oscars the other night, and I personally was not watching it when it happened, um, you, you probably have heard about it because it's been all over social media. It's been on the news, but Chris Rock made a joke about Will Smith's wife. Will first was laughing at these jokes, looked at his wife, saw that she was pissed, walked up on stage and smacked the taste out of Chris Rock's mouth. Now, controversial because there's a there's kind of a mixed bag here where some people say this was him defending his wife and this was good. And other people say that's bullshit. You should never hit somebody. Violence isn't the answer. So I want to kind of share uh, a couple of thoughts that I had about this um, that, you know, may or may not have come to mind. Number one, um, the first thing that came to mind in, in thinking about this situation is understanding Will Smith's psychology, right? Will Smith was a rapper in the late 80s, early 90s who got a TV show, but he's always been known as a soft rapper, like soft. Um, he was afraid of Tupac, like deathly afraid of Tupac. Jada Pinkett Smith, his current wife, was boyfriend-girlfriend with Tupac for a while. And not only boyfriend-girlfriend, but they were like, like they were together, like like they were like soulmates in a sense. And so, so, so basically Will Smith has taken the last 30 plus years of being told you're soft, you're not gangster enough, all of that shit. And then compile on top of it, the fact that lately of the last couple of years, his wife's red table talks have exposed their marriage to unthinkable levels of vulnerability, um, putting out there you know, her affair, uh, one of at least, right? You know, and the fact it's pretty well known that they have an open relationship. Um, but that doesn't mean he doesn't feel it at a deep level. So I think what you saw there was literally a response to 30 plus years of being told you're soft, you're not gangster, you're not hard enough. And, and then, and then taking it out on, I would say a, a lesser man or a man that wasn't able to stand up for himself. It's not like Chris Rock was going to get punched and then start punching back, right? Chris Rock is a comedian, a paid performer up there on stage, paid to do what he does. And I would say Chris Rock is probably soft as well, 
I'm not trying to judge these guys. Look, I've never been in a fight with any of them, and I'm not a fighter myself. But they're, they don't carry this, like, you know, alpha male machismo type of energy. And, and again, that doesn't mean you're, you know, that you have to carry that to be, you know, tough and strong. And, you know, I know plenty of guys that are very low key, that are very strong, you don't want to fuck with. But they're not braggadocious. He's not braggadocious. He's not very out there. He just does not strike me as the type that's going to get into a fight. And so he picks on this guy who's smaller than him, hits him, and then walks back to his seat and yells at him, you know, take your take my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. I mean, gosh, there's so much to unpack. I, I thought about doing a whole episode on this particular thing, especially as we're starting to get into ego and what the ego actually means. Because honestly, I think that's part of what this was, was his ego was attacked. It had nothing to do with his wife. It had everything to do with him. He wasn't defending his wife's honor. He was defending himself. He felt embarrassed by what this man said. And he also, I think, felt embarrassed by the fact that the world has been laughing at him. The world saw this guy as a superstar hero, whatever. But over the last couple of years, that, that image has been tarnished. And he, deep down inside, feels like he's soft, doesn't feel gangster, all those things. You know, he, he did this thing recently where he gained some weight. And so he went on this, you know, the COVID diet or whatever. And so now he's like trying to get in shape. So his whole social media thing, that was all a buildup to sell his book that he, you know, that he just released, you know, so all of these things make total sense. 53 year old man doesn't feel hard. Doesn't feel so it just lashes out on somebody. I bring this to the case because there are some of you who feel this way. You feel like people have said you're soft, that you're not hard, and you feel like you have to lash out. And maybe that lashing out is at your wife. Maybe that's her new boyfriend, right? Maybe that's at those different situations. And look, I've been encountered by that personally in my own personal life where I won't say who, but there has been a person who has tried to intimidate me, et cetera, and tried to make me feel a certain way, but I don't get into fights. I don't get into altercations. I will stand my ground with any bully. I don't, I don't deal with that bullshit. But at the same time, there are men or there are wimpy men who will try to make you feel less than a man. And in this situation, I think it was the other way around. While Chris was sort of, I, I don't know if you want to call him bullying with his words, Essentially, Will became the aggressor. He became the bully. And that bully made him look like a pussy. I mean, to go up and and then openly slap the guy instead of punch him. Like, what does that say about him psychologically? Not not only did he did he hit the man, but he open-handed hit the man versus a punch. I'm not gonna get into if you slap a guy versus punch a guy, is that better? But it says something about where he's at psychologically. So to me, this was an interesting case of the ego being in the way, supposedly defending his wife. And a lot of you out there right now are trying to, quote unquote, defend your wife. And it really has nothing to do with your wife. This had nothing to do with her alopecia or short hair. This had everything to do with Will Smith's ego being attacked. So if you saw that, think about your situation. Think about who you're trying to defend. And is it really your wife or is it really you? And if it's you, you got a lot of shit to work on. What is up, guys? Welcome to Empowered AF 2.0. Today, I'm going to be talking about um, one of my harder subjects for me personally. And what I mean by that is I'm going to be talking about ego. 
ego, ego, you. Uh, if you're in our Facebook group, you probably see me talk about this all the time. Um, I've even got some podcast episodes I've already done around the idea of ego and what I think of it. But really, we've started to evolve. Any message starts to evolve. And not that we're, the message is better today than it was a couple of years ago, but I would say we're getting more mature in our message um, to you and to men and helping men and seeing how we can get men from A to B much quicker, much quicker than really at any other time in the history of Empowered Man. And, and because we're starting to take concepts that we knew at a high level and knew at a deep level, even personally, and as we've worked with now hundreds, thousands of men, over 1,300 men have come to our programs. And as we've worked with 1,300 plus men going through our programs, we've started to extrapolate some things that were even better and started to try to see, okay, if we work on this, does that get us a better result faster? And so uh, the concept of ego um, has been around forever. Uh, I did not invent it. Uh, Sigmund Freud might've invented it. Um, you know, he had the ego, the id and the super ego. Um, he talks about it in psychology, but modern day psychology talks about ego in a kind of a different area or different place. And so I'm going to focus more on the modern day psychology version of it, where ego is really like the center of self, the center of self. Um, I like looking at it that way is because ego isn't always bad. Ego is there to protect you from bad things, but sometimes in its dysfunction, it can become bad. So I've got a book called Ego's the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. Started going through it. Thought there's some good concepts in there. And I'll, I might talk about some of those concepts if we unpack this over several weeks um, with the podcast. But I really wanted to focus on high level ego and what it looks like in, in concept as a man, but then what it looks like in concept as a, a, you know, as a married man, and what it looks like in, in, in theory with you and your relationships, you know, the five dimensional man. So when you look at all these different dimensions and, and kind of where you fit in um, with those things and how ego plays a part in both good things and destructive things. And then what I wanna do is, is get into what I call the equalizer, the great equalizer. And I'll share what that concept is um, maybe today, we'll see how far we get with this. I'm trying a different approach. This is kind of a contemplative approach, um, meaning that, you know, I've kind of downloaded some really good wisdom, I think. And now I'm just going to unpack it for you guys kind of raw and just see where this thing goes. Um, you know, if, hey, if it doesn't fit, it doesn't make sense to you, then skip to the next episode, I guess. Um, but I think, I think if you really hear me out on some of this, it's going to start to click and it's going to start to make sense. So for some of you who are used to like, you know, real quick, you know, real insightful, like, like fast, like, what do I do? How do I set my marriage type stuff? Go to the other side of my podcast, go to the first, you know, 10 episodes or so. That's where you'll find that type of thing there with this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to help you really lay a foundation for understanding your ego and how it's affecting you and understand how to equalize that, that ego and, and how to bring some balance back to what you're doing. I want to start with this concept that we love ourselves more than others. We love ourselves more than others. What I mean by that is that oftentimes men will come to me and they will say, I love my wife more than anything. And I'll say, do you really? Do you really love your wife more than anything? Or is it the other way around? Or is it that you love your life more than you love her? And because of that, you cannot fathom the idea that she would leave you. Now, that might have hit you in a square across the face. I know the first time I thought about that concept for me, it was, it was, it was mind-blowing. 
because we're we're so we're so attuned to Hollywood. We're so attuned to you know what love looks like on camera, you know the movies, romance, and all that stuff. Whereas, like, what does real love even look like? So I want to I want to dive into that as well. Um, but think about this concept that we actually love ourselves more than our own when we're walking in the ego area. So when when we're when we're walking from a place of ego, when we're activating the ego, we ended up loving ourselves more than others because our ego can't fathom somebody not loving us the way we do. We think we're special, right? Think about your child, you know, when, when children, it's like they can't fathom somebody not loving them. Like what? Right? They're special. They're unique. And that's what they're told. And so when somebody doesn't love them, how do they react? They throw a temper tantrum. They sulk. They cry. They can't believe somebody wouldn't do for them what they thought they would do because their ego is so big. You know, and as a child, your ego is huge because it's all about you. You become a teenager, it becomes even bigger. And then what happens is when you don't, when you become an adult and you haven't actually like dealt with childish things and you haven't like matured in your emotions, then you carry those emotions into your relationships. You carry those emotions into your marriage. You carry those emotions into your job. You carry those emotions into being a father. So ego makes me protect me over everything. Think about that. Ego makes me protect me over everything else. That's his job. The job of my ego is to protect me over everything else. That's why I love myself more than anyone else when I'm walking in ego. So as you can start to see that we start to have this unbalanced approach because ego creates a story to protect my values and ideals. Ego's job is to, is to protect me. And in order to protect me, it's going to create a story that protects my values and ideas. One of the easiest things we can look at, especially those of you that follow me and you're struggling in your marriage, is I'm doing this to protect my wife. I'm taking her phone away. I'm doing whatever to protect my wife. I did that. I personally withheld my wife's phone and laptop because I knew what she was doing on that phone and laptop. And in my unhealthy egotistic state, not being able to ha handle it because my, my ego is in the way, I took her stuff and hid it and gave it to someone else to, to hide from me because I was so exasperated by the fact that she would be doing this on the stuff that I paid for. Like that's how egotistical I was in the moment of catching my wife cheating. You know, I said in the rant earlier um, about Will Smith. And if you think about it, you know, this, this whole situation with Will Smith trying to protect his wife was really about protecting his own ego because Will ultimately loves himself more than he loves anyone else. And ultimately, his ego's job is to protect him over everyone else. And in that moment, he felt like, more than likely, you know, not him. These are conjectures, obviously. But in that moment, I would guess he felt that he had to protect his ego because his reputation was constantly being challenged. You know, and I said earlier, 30 plus years of being called soft, you're not gangster, you're, you're rap lyrics, you don't even cuss in them, you know, you're, you're not hard. That's kind of another interesting thing is because he would never cuss in his lyrics. But then on stage, in this particular thing, he said, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And it, probably to him, there was probably some element of power that he must have felt because ego loves power. 
Oh man, ego loves power. Power to ego is like catnip to a, to a cat. Uh, I know I use that about confidence, but, but power to ego, power is like food for your ego. So the more power you get, the more your ego is filled, is, is full. Right. And so in that moment, he must have felt powerful because his ego was just, I mean, he had just on a national television in front of millions of people just walked up to a man that he was friends with to all intents and purposes, known for years and smacked him in the face. One of the most insulting things you can do, not punched him, but smacked him like a bitch. You know, and I was talking about this earlier about unpacking that because you think about a man punches another man, that's because he respects that man. But a man who smacks another man says, basically, I don't respect you at all. Like he treated him like, oh, like he was a bitch. And, and he just basically was like, I'm not tolerating you at all. So he didn't even have any respect for Chris Rock to at least close hand punch him. Um, you know, and I'm laughing about the situation only because of the audacity and the absurdity of the situation. I don't think it's funny at all that Will did that. Um, I disagree wholeheartedly with his egotistic rant, if you will, because I don't think this had anything to do with Jada Smith. This had everything to do with protecting Will Smith. I'm doing this to protect her. Think about the times where you have said, I am doing this to protect my wife. I am trying to keep her from going and seeing other men. I'm trying to sabotage her relationship with this new boyfriend, even though we're married, right? Like all of that to protect her. I'm going to get her parents on board. I'm going to get her friends to talk to her because I want to protect her. That protection has nothing to do with her. It has everything to do with you. Here's the other one. I love her more than anything. I love her more than anything. I love my wife to death. To death of what? You or her? Think about this, guys. Love. What is love, first of all? If you can't define love, how can you say you love someone? Some people would say, well, love is, you know, Love is that feeling you get when, you know, when you're with her and you just can't live without her. Or love is that, um, that just knowing that this is the person you're supposed to be with. And like all of those are feelings. Some people might use biblical or scriptural things and, you know, they'll use the definition of love there. And I, I personally, I believe that is the definition. But even if you're not from a scriptural or, or a faith background, just looking at love as this as a posture of the heart. I want you to think about love as a posture of the heart. When love, when you love someone, what is the posture of your heart? The posture of your heart is to give, is to make them feel loved, is to show them love, right? Everything, when, when you think about posture of love, you think about it from a place of I want that person to feel valued. I want that person to feel freedom. I want that person to feel loved, right? Like the, that's the reason we show affection is to make them feel loved, is to make that person understand that they are loved. 
But yet so many times what men do is the total opposite. Because if you really loved your wife, would you try to control her? If you really loved your wife, would you manipulate her? If you really loved your wife, would you make her stay married to you? Would you refuse to sign the divorce papers? Would you kick her out of the house? But think about that. The things that you're doing right now in the situation you're in, is that love or is that your ego? Is that love or is that your ego? There's a biblical principle commanded from Jesus, and this is not to get religious on anyone, but this is to love yourself as you love your neighbor. Or love your neighbor as you love yourself. Excuse me. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So love others as you love yourself. Love your wife as you love yourself. And here's the kicker is when you say that I love her more than anything, you're literally saying, I love my wife more than I love myself. This is interesting, okay? Just I, all I'm talking, I'm not even talking about religion here. I'm, I'm sincere, I want you to consider the words you're using when you talk about love, when you talk about loving your wife. That you're basically saying, I love this person more than I love myself. How is that possible? How can you love someone more then you love yourself. How can you give to someone more than you've been able to give to yourself? How can you love someone more than you've actually received yourself? How can you give love when there is no love? How can you give love from a place of no love? It's impossible. You're giving from an empty cup. If I have it, if, if this wonderful Jake mug from State Farm, thanks State Farm, if this, if this cup was empty right now, how in the world could I, could I pour coffee into someone else's mug? I couldn't. I can't just make it appear. I don't turn water into wine. I'm not a miracle maker. But if I pour coffee into my, into my mug, I've received coffee. Now I can give coffee. And what many of you do is you have no coffee to give to your wife. You have no love to give to your wife. And so you give from an empty cup. And so what you think is love is actually pouring ego into her. You've been pouring your ego into who she is. And what does that do? When you sow ego, you're reproducing your ego into her. And therefore, she then creates ego in herself. Guys, I'm telling you some deep shit here. This is some fun stuff that if you can hang with me on this, I know this is newer. Some of this is so deep and esoteric. Some of you are like, what the fuck? I've never heard Mark talk like this before. It's because I'm having fun. I'm having fun with this because I want you to understand things at a deeper level than what you have been understanding things at. I want you to reach down into deep parts of wisdom so that you understand where I'm coming from. Because a lot of you see my comments, posts on Facebook, social media, whatever, and, and you judge those comments from a place of not having any grid or any point of reference for what I'm talking about. And so here I am, I'm giving you my point of reference of where I'm coming from. I talk about this. When I say to you, hey, do you really love your wife or do you love yourself more? Oh no, I love my wife more than I love myself. That's impossible. You can't. Because there's a, there's a certain equilibrium that happens. That when, when you start to love less that person, guess what? you're you're not just submitting yourself to her you're not just you know trying to love her you're basically giving your ego now to her 
instead of you loving it in equal place. So I want to walk more into that. Love your, love your neighbor as you love yourself, not more than you love yourself. It's interesting too, that even in that command that he didn't say not more than you love yourself. He didn't say, you know, love your neighbor more than you love yourself. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And he kept it the same. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not more than you love yourself. He didn't say, hey, love your neighbor more than you love you because you're a piece of shit. God don't talk like that. And that's not what he said. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. So there's a, there is a dichotomy that happens here where it's like, we have to love people equally to the way we love ourselves. So that means there's got to be equal love for you than others. That's healthy love. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Told you, hang with me and we will get somewhere with this. I had to set the precedent here. So, so to, to bring this into a, to a deeper perspective here is that you need to have equal love for yourself and for other people to create healthy love. So again, if you don't have healthy love, what are you giving her? Ego. You're giving her unhealthy, self-centered love because it's about you and getting your needs met. Remember, manipulation, the definition of manipulation, the definition of manipulation to me is healthy needs trying to get met in an unhealthy way. If you think about manipulating your wife, you are basically trying to get your healthy needs met of connection, love, uh, you know, all those things, all those needs, significance met in an unhealthy way. When you manipulate her, when you, when you try to protect her, when you try to expose her sin, when you try to expose the stuff that she's doing, when you try to go behind her back to her friends and to her, her mom and her dad, when you do all that, guys, I did all of these things. I did all of these things. And it was all from a place of ego. It was not from a place of love. Love did not come until I stopped crying for myself and I started crying for her. Until I started to see this person is in so much pain that they're choosing to live alternatively to the way they know to live. They're living out of a, a false reality and that has got to be painful. It's just like you see a drug addict and you go, my gosh, this person must be in a lot of pain to put themselves through that much shit and heartache because they don't love themselves enough. And so therefore they've chosen to be in this place of addiction, etc. Instead of choosing healing and freedom and, 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 and a clean heart, they've chosen this addiction. They've chosen to live this way. That's pain that chooses that lack of connection that chooses that. So here's the thing is how well you receive love equals how well you, you can give love. How well you receive love equals how credible your love is. How well you receive love is how much authority your love has. Oof. How well you receive love is how much authority your love has. Guys, I'm telling you, this is deeper than you realize. Some of you, your wives are on, on the verge of leaving, the verge of divorce, the verge of an affair, whatever, and you are pushing her away because you do not love her. You love your ego. 
And the reason you love your ego is because you are not actually receiving love for yourself. Now, there's all kinds of ways of receiving love. Some people, you receive love from people. You can receive love from the universe, some God, Jesus, Muhammad, whatever. I honestly don't know for what it is for you personally. But what I know is when you receive love in your heart, you have love to give. So this, when we go back to looking at the fact that we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, we truly do. We truly do. You are loving her to the ability that you can actually love yourself. So because you lack loving yourself, because you don't know how to receive love for yourself, you are unable to give love to her. And this is where things start to go off track. And you're in this marriage, you've been in this marriage, and you've given some aspect of love, feelings, emotions, sex, things like that, some aspect of it. But when push comes to shove, the reality of it is that the love you're giving is not coming from a place of self-love. It's coming from a place of selfish love. It's coming from a place of, I love you. Do you love me? Uh, I'll give this to you. Will you give back to me? I'll, I'll give you sex. Will you give sex back to me? Right? It's coming from a place of give to get, not just give. You know, Mark, that's confusing. You know, I'm supposed to, I want to receive. Yes. Yes, we want to receive back, but we have to communicate some of those things. Some of you are just literally trying to manipulate her into bed. You're trying to manipulate her into doing these things for you because you don't know how to communicate with her. You don't know how to share your needs, share your emotions in a healthy way. That, that says to her, I love you enough to communicate with you. I love you enough to try to get better at communicating, articulating what I feel so that we can connect on a deeper level. Remember, men look at connection as sex. Women look at connection as emotions. Men are physical and vis visually wired, whereas women are much more emotionally wired. And they want to know that their man loves them. She wants to know that she is beautiful. She wants to know that she is seen. And when all you can think about is yourself, it's because you don't know how to receive love. Here's the thing in all this is that humility is the great equalizer. Humility is the great equalizer because it helps you give and receive. Humility is the great equalizer because it helps you give and receive. I was taught once um, that humility is about preference. I prefer you. Doesn't mean I think you're better than me. Doesn't mean I think that I'm this lowly person and I'm a piece of shit. It just means that I prefer you. So if you have healthy love for yourself and you believe that you are a good man, a strong man, whatever. And then you have your wife and you're secure in your identity as a man. Instead of trying to get from her constantly, you're able to give to her and at the same time receive from her because humility can accept love and give love. Whereas ego gives with selfish intentions. Ego doesn't love, it lusts. Ego comes at it from a place of, what can I get? This is the danger of ego. So look, humility, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to give you one more statement, and then I'm going to kind of show you the dichotomy between the two. 
between ego and humility. Humility is why you need boundaries. It's to protect you and her. Humility is why you need boundaries. Humility, the great equalizer, is why you need boundaries. Because when you can set boundaries for yourself, that's self-love. So we talk about the concept of neutral woman in our Thrive program, and it's all built on a place of self-love, which is, hey, my wife is not a safe place right now. Therefore, I can be kind to her. I can be nice to her. I'm not going to be an asshole to her, but she does not deserve right now for me to share all of my emotions and, 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 and intentions because she's not a safe place and she doesn't want to hear it. She's put up her own boundary and because I'm a person of love, I'm going to respect her boundary. And if I respect her boundary, then I would expect that she respects my boundary. And if that boundary means, hey, I'm not going to let you call me, you know, random nights and ask to come over so we can have sex. I'm not going to have you call me up and tell me about your day and things of that nature. No, because you're not a safe place for me right now. And you don't get to access that part of me. That part is not for sale. Is you guys don't value yourself. And when you don't value yourself, you allow people to trample all over you. And so you're confused. You don't know where to go with this stuff. So again, if we look big picture, and we look about ego, ego basically is, is where we love ourselves more than others, where we, we are not putting other people first. Even though you think you are, a lot of you are not. A lot of you say you're putting your wife first, but you're not, or you're doing it from the wrong perspective. It's more of a false humility as opposed to true humility. Huge difference between the two. False humility is pride cloaked. I'll say it again. False humility is pride cloaked. True humility is love. True humility is, the, is, a, is a part of love. It makes up a core essence of what love is. Because love is, is so much deeper, so much bigger than what we think about from the movies. It, it, is, it is not just that kind of thing. It is so much bigger, so much deeper. And hopefully you can feel it in my voice and what I'm saying to you today. So when we look at ego and, and humility, I'll, I'll kind of list these off on my board over here. Ego is about humiliation, not humility. It's about shame. It's about false hope. It's about false love, lust. It's about wishful thinking. So humiliation, meaning that you want to humiliate her, um, you want to condone her, you want to condemn her, you want to shame her, all those things. False hope, meaning like you're hoping in the wrong thing. You're not being truthful to yourself. You're not looking at the false positives that could be coming up because you don't want to do that. You, you like your wishful thinking. Oh, everything's going to be good now, brother. Oh, I've come back home. We're all good. We're great, man. Yeah. Did you actually deal with the shit or did you just put it away? That's why empowered men, we are not about fixing marriages. Marriages get fixed when men get fixed. When men get healed, marriages get fixed. That's a better way of saying it. When men get healed, marriages get fixed. When men get healed, marriages get fixed. And the reason why is because women want to follow a real man into marriage, into relationship, into battle. She wants to fight just, just like you do, but alongside you in an adventure. She wants an adventure that you are creating and leading. And she might have her own adventure. She may have some things that you can support her in and, and go along with her in, but you better darn sure have a fucking adventure for yourself 
and for your for your family. Because if you don't have that, there's nothing for her to follow. Humility, humility is 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 really about making yourself lower out of preference. Making yourself lower out of preference to her. So if I'm using humility with my boundaries, it's like, hey, I hear you. You are loved. I, I, that will never change. But I'm going to put boundaries in place for myself and for you. I'm not going to control you with the kids. I'm not going to do all these things. Boyfriends. This is another thing. You guys get into the whole thing about boyfriends and you know all this. Oh, how dare she bring her or that man around my kids? She has every right to do that. She's the mother of your children. It may not feel fair, but the only thing that you're struggling with is your fucking ego. And until we can kill the ego and have humility be the great equalizer, you're going to constantly struggle with this stuff. So we're going to, hopefully we'll continue diving deep in this. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the response I get from this particular episode, but I'm fascinated by these concepts, fascinated by the Will Smith situation, fascinated by really all of it and how it affects every one of us, including myself to this day. There are things that I need to work on there. There are areas where I'm ego or the ego takes over and I need humility. And so I'm going to go on that journey and uh, hopefully you'll go with me. So hopefully it was good for you guys. Um, look, if this spoke to you and you feel like, man, this is the kind of stuff I want more of, then you need to get in our Thrive program. Thrive is not about saving your marriage. It is about who you want to become as a man. And usually the context is a man struggling in marriage. And we help you get from point A to point B. But even if you're divorced, you can come into Thrive. We've had many guys who are divorced or pretty much on the way out of the marriage, and they don't want to make the same mistakes of the past. They want to like learn how to learn from what they did and keep moving forward. We've had many guys who divorced and now remarried that we've helped um, in, in new marriages. I'm one of them, right? So if that's you, I want you to join our Thrive program. I want you to make the investment in yourself. It's worth it. It is, it is 100 times worth it. It's not easy. Some guys can't afford it financially, but you know what? There's a plan for everyone and we can help you get the financial plan together to do it. We've got funding opportunities potentially uh, for some of you. Money should not be the issue. In fact, when you get on a call, don't even let money be the issue. You, you just don't even think about money when you get on a call with our team. What you need to be thinking about is, am I ready to look at the pain in my life? Am I ready to heal from this? Am I ready to do the work from this? Am I ready to move forward in my life? And if you have those things, we can help you. We can totally help you. And if Thrive isn't a fit for you at the time, then we've, we'll, we'll point you in a direction to make sure that you have the game plan to move forward. That's all I got for you guys. I'll see you in the next one. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Join your host, M. Sizzle, J-Dub, and Mandrew as they sip on some bourbon and spit some truths. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. All right, on to the next Bourbon Moment one before I get in trouble. Um, all right, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Steak. Sushi. I was going to say steak. Why steak for you? Protein, fat, decently balanced. 
What about it's fucking bomb amazing? Well, that too, right? But like you can you can really survive on steak alone because it's got enough protein content plus fat content where you're not going to be satiated. You're going to be satiated enough that you're not going to think about other things too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just but like it. I didn't know we were going with a type of food because sushi, like, come on, like that's not one food. That's a type of food, dude. Yeah, there's many different things I can build. I've thought about this. If someone was like, you're going to die in five seconds if you don't tell us what type of food. Sushi. Raw fish. Because I've got fish. I've got, I've oh. got fucking avocado. I've got fats. I've got carbs. I've got rice. I've got seaweed. So what roll? One roll. You can only pick one roll. What are you going with? Rainbow roll. Rainbow. Uh, rainbow because I've got so many different types of fish. Got it. If you I eat that every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred. What kind of steak, Lori? Ribeye. Interesting. Why? Because the fat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of torn. Like I like ribeye, but most of the time they're not cooked right. I'm more of a. Um, the easy one is obviously sirloin, but like anything wagyu is fucking amazing, and. Uh, but then again, depends on where you get it. Yeah. Like here in Arizona, we don't have a lot of good Wagyu. You go to Dallas, you go to Nashville. There's this place in Nashville called Kane's Prime, which I'm hoping to get to when I go back there. Uh, I'm going there in April. It's good. If anybody's in Nashville, hit me up. Um, I'll be there in April. Um, anyways, so that place is fucking amazing. Uh, their steak, they even have like the, the salt cube steaks, you know, where it's like you heat up the salt cube and then you put the little one ounce a uh, little steak on it, and it's like $25 an ounce just for that little piece of steak. Fucking amazing. Damn. See, I've never had Wagyu. Oh, it's so good. You've never had Wagyu? Never have. You've missed out. I you might go get it tonight. Out. Well, you just got to go to the right place. Um, when I'm in town, let's let's do that okay. uh, in let's a couple weeks. Wagyu when you're in town. Let's, yeah, we can't go to like a Capitol Grill type place. We have to go to like a real steakhouse where okay. they have like real steak. Um, can't be a chain. So I'll have to look up something in Costa Mesa for that. Anyways, uh, yeah, that shit's bomb. Um, sushi, I've never had or I've never been a fan of just because I don't eat raw fish. I'm not a, I'm not really a fish person. Mm. I like shrimp, but specifically I like uh, coconut shrimp. I'll eat, um, my other kind is I'll, I'll eat like a, like a good grilled shrimp with some good flavor on it with a steak. That's excellent. That's usually good. Extra protein, you know, good fats in it and stuff. What do you say? I was just saying surf and turf. Yeah, yeah, traditional surf and turf. There was a place in San Diego that uh, I used to love going to for their surf and turf. And it was just a fun experience. When I was in that dating phase of my life, I used to... I used to frequent this place with many different dates. And I remember one date I went on, the guy, as I walk in turns to me and he's like, you're back. Welcome back. And I look at him and I was like, shut the fuck up. He was like, he was like, you both look so beautiful together again. It's so great to see you. And I'm like, (laughs) and so I turned to her and I owned it. And I was like, I've come here with another date in the past. And she looked me dead in the eye. I respect her so much because we had a great relationship while we were together. And she turned to me and she was like, what table did you both sit at so we don't sit there? 
and we can make a new memory. Or if we do sit there, I want us to have a better time than the one you had with her. Wow. And I was like, and I was like, we sat at that table and it was actually the table that we got sat at. So it was cool because you got to cook your food at this community grill together. I know weird concept. You go to eat there and you end up cooking all your food for yourself, but it creates that like cool experience and it creates conversation for those guys out there that struggle with dating, find something that's experience-based, like yeah. literally a dinner, something monotonous and mundane. That's so boring. Put some thought into it. Thanks for joining us on the Bourbon Moment. This is your host, M. Sizzle. I've got Mandrew and I got J Dub. And we are out. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. If you're new here, thanks for checking out this episode. And I encourage you to take a visit back to the first episodes in this podcast. Look, we have over 50 episodes on the foundations of how to be an empowered man. I'm talking about in your relationship with your wife, your kids, your work, your boss, whoever and whomever. And I highly suggest you take some time to listen and gain some insight and knowledge from those episodes. And hey, if you want to connect with me deeper, be sure to check out the Empowered Man group. That's empoweredman.co slash group empoweredman.co slash group for latest information and to join our group of other men who are wanting to be empowered just like you. Until then, this is Mark signing off, Empowered AF 2.0.